by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. As for me and my house, we're going to start serving the Lord again. So you're at the right place. Look at your neighbor and say, you're at the right place. When I was probably a young teenager, maybe not even a teenager yet, I went to stay at my dad's house for the weekend. You know, he didn't live with us, and I didn't get to see him that often, man. I idolized my dad. I would have done anything he wanted me to do, you know, just to prove that, that I, I can do it. If he had wanted me to go slop the hogs, I'd have been the best hog slopper in the Mid-South, you know, <laughs> trying to prove to dad that I, I can do what he asked me to do. Well, he knew maybe I was a little anxious, maybe, you know, full of energy, and he tried to calm me down that weekend. He brought out a 500-piece puzzle and laid it on the kitchen table. I said, I'm like, I bet you can't put that together. That's all he had to say. I bet you can't. I said, Daddy, I'll put that puzzle together better than anybody you've ever seen. It'll be the best puzzle when I get through, you know. So I took that puzzle, and I'm telling you, I had never summoned the amount of patience it took that week. It might as well have been a 9,000-piece puzzle. I began to put the pieces, and I began to learn that there's straight edges and there's corners. I began to look at that box and see the picture on there and say, it's supposed to look like that. You know, but I began to see this is what it's supposed to look like when it's all assembled. And so I began to sort everything by color. I had never used this thing like that before. <laughs> but I began to put it together, you know, and I worked all weekend. He was just, he was like... Hog heaven, you know, I wouldn't, come on, Dad, let's do this, do that. I was focused for the first time in my life. And I put this puzzle together, and it was all together, and I was like, there's one piece missing. And I looked under the table, and I looked in the box, and I checked my pants. I looked down the hallway. I was looking in kitchen drawers. I didn't, I was panicking, and there was tears welling up in my eyes. I almost finished this thing, and then Daddy come in the room. Reached in his pocket and pulled out the puzzle piece. <laughs> you need this? <laughs> My daddy was a little mischievous. He just liked to roll like that, you know. But how many of y'all know that your heavenly dad holds all the pieces of your life? Amen. And in his word, we see a picture of what our life is supposed to, supposed to become. When we begin to put it together according to his plan. And my dad, he said, you need this? Well, our heavenly dad says, you need this. You are in the right place today. You are in my church. And Jesus said, that's what I'm doing on the earth. You need this. Poke your neighbor and say, you need this. <laughs> Colossians 3, 3, we've been talking about it forever. It says you died to this life and your real life is hidden with God or hidden with Christ in God. So it, it needs some assembly required. But you ain't going to find it 
without Jesus. You're not, wouldn't it be terrible for you to end up on judgment day and God said, you didn't even live your real life. How many of you know you got a real life and it's hidden? But it's in Christ and you'll find it. You'll put that puzzle together and your life will be beautiful, I promise you. When Jesus was on the earth, he began to call people unto himself. He called Peter, he called John and Andrew, and he called a guy named Philip. Now, Philip, he was like most of us. Once we find Jesus, we want to go tell somebody. We should want to go tell somebody. When you find something as good as Jesus, you got to go tell it. So Philip went and told his good friend Nathaniel. He said, Nathaniel, you know that Messiah that we've been waiting for all this time? I've found him. His name is Jesus, and he's from Nazareth. Now, just like most people that you tell that good news, they're a little bit skeptical at first, right? Nathaniel says, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And then about that time, Jesus comes up. And Jesus said, Nathaniel, uh, you're a true Israelite. You're a man with a lot of integrity. You're, you're full of integrity. And Nathaniel thought to himself, how do you, how do you know me? And Jesus said, I saw you before when you were under the fig tree. Now, I don't know what happened under that fig tree. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe Nathaniel was by himself under the fig tree and was talking to God about his integrity or something. We don't know. But whatever had happened under that fig tree rung a bell with Nathaniel. He, he said he knew that Jesus didn't know this by accident. And he said he was one of the first to say it out loud. Maybe others believed it, but Nathaniel said, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus kind of chuckled. <laughs> he said, you believe just because I said I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see more than that. You'll see more than that. And boy, did Nathaniel see more than that. Because Nathaniel decided to follow Jesus. He decided to walk with the other disciples as they all followed Jesus together. And he began to see blind eyes open. He began to see deaf ears hear. Blind eyes see. He began to see the dead raised back to life. He saw Jesus walk on the water. He saw Jesus calm the storm with a shh. He saw him feed 5,000 with a little happy meal. <laughs> he began to see some stuff. But you know what he also saw on the journey? He saw Jesus walking from town to town. He saw Jesus get weary and sit down and rest and wipe the sweat off his eyes. He saw Jesus by the fireplace at night or the fire pit at night. He saw Jesus helping the other disciples learn to get along, encouraging them to love one another. He listened to Jesus as, as the Word of God spoke the Word of God. All of these things happened because Nathaniel decided to get with the program and walk with Jesus. Oh yeah, you'll see more than that. God's calling you. Everybody here knows that, that God is real and God is calling them to something deeper. If you walk with Him, experience that day-to-day -day closeness with Jesus, that day-to-day -day closeness with your fellow brothers and sisters, you'll see more than that. Look at your neighbor and say, you need this. Now, we know that Jesus 
He came to bridge the gap between a holy God and a sinful man. He came to bear our sins on our cross. He came to take away our shame, to take those stripes on his back so that we might be healed. He came to exchange his right way of living for our wrong way of living, his righteousness for our unrighteousness. He did all this for us. He came to repair the vertical, the breach that had stopped the vertical between us and God. And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, it says, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, we call this the great what? Commandment. And it's not a suggestion. He said, you must, you must love the Lord your God. And this is the greatest commandment. But what's, so that, he's saying, let's repair the vertical. But what gets me is in verse 39, the next verse, he said, a, a second commandment is equally important. What could be as important as loving God and repairing that divide and knowing that you have a home in heaven? What could be as important? So that got my attention. It says a second is equally important is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now how is that important? It's important to God. It's important that you get your relationship right with Him and it's equally important to Him that you get your relationship right with other people. That means church folk. That means people you don't necessarily like. But that's okay. He'll send His love in your heart and it'll change everything. He'll help you love those folks. You get this right, you can't help but get this right. He came to repair the vertical and the horizontal. Somebody say amen. amen. Y'all remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Jesus told the story. He said a, a Jewish man was walking from Jerusalem headed to Jericho and somewhere along the line he fell in and got caught by some thieves out on the road and they beat him and stripped him and took all his stuff and left him for dead in the road and as he was laying there he said a priest walked by and saw his condition and said I, I, I can't do that and he walked by on the other side of the road a little while later a Levite which is you know a priest helper he saw him, he said, I'm doing like the priest. I'm walking by on this side. They just left the man to die. But Jesus said a Samaritan came by on the donkey. Now you understand the Samaritans and the Jews, they hated one another. They, it was class warfare going on. They just could not stand each other. They were in it, mortal enemies. But this, this Samaritan, he saw a Jew, but... Something inside of him said, you know, he got down off his donkey. He bandaged his wounds. He put him on his own donkey. He took him to the inn. He, he got him all bandaged up and saved his life and told the innkeeper to let him stay here. I'll pay for it. And if I, if I owe you any more when I come back through, I'll, I'll give you the rest. He went out of his way to take care of the, the, the beaten man. And Jesus asked the people he was telling the story to, he said, who do you suppose is the neighbor? And they said, the one who took care of me. You see, somebody had asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who, am I, who is this horizontal I'm supposed to love? 
It might be somebody that you don't even like. You know, we got all kind of excuses why we don't like people today, why we won't help these people. I only, I only, I, that's why most people don't go to church. I don't go to church because those people are hypocrites. Those people are this. Those people are that. I'm as good as those people. Does that sound like, that sound like the priest walking by on the other side, doesn't it? See, you don't need empty religion. You don't need religious people that wear these long flowing robes to tell you, make you feel good about yourself. You need to be like the, the Samaritan. And you need to go to a place where people will help bandage your wounds. And people, real relationship, people who have a real relationship with Jesus Christ that will help each other. And I want you to know this is a hospital of hope. You need a, you need a hospital of hope. Poke your neighbor and say you need this. Pretty soon they're just going to hit you back. I'm about to close. Y'all relax. In the early church in Acts chapter 2 verse 46, it said they worshiped together. Say together. Together. At the temple each day. They met daily. And they met in the homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared meals with great joy and generosity. Maybe you're missing some joy in your life. Maybe there's an answer for you. And all the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. They were enjoying each other. And, and each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You see, people were getting saved because they were fellowshipping and enjoying each other's company. That's the kind of church I want us to be. One that don't walk by on the other side and one that'll they'll eat meals together and fellowship together and love one another with a genuine love. Even the people we don't necessarily would normally like, we can love with the love of Jesus. Amen. Ephesians 2, chapter 20 says, together, say together. together. I don't know why we keep talking about together, because it's in the Bible. <laughs> together we are His house. Now I hear it all the time, people say, I, I, I say, where you go? I don't go to church. I am the church. Come on. Come on. They say, I am the church. I don't have to go to church. Me and God got this thing. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's not what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 says. It says, together we are his house. Yeah. So what does that make you off by yourself? Woo. A brick that ain't even part of nothing? <laughs> We're supposed to be stones in the living house. It is together that we are the house of God. Amen. And it's built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. You say you don't want to be a part of the church. You don't want to be a part of Christ. It's what he's doing on the earth. And he himself is the cornerstone. He himself is the head of the church. I don't care how many people argue against the dumb stuff, the fallibility of the people in the church and all that, and the hypocrisy, it don't matter. It's what Jesus is doing, and I believe in it. Amen. And if, it ain't, if, if the church is acting like the priest, we need to fix it, not run from it. Amen. If the church is damaged, it's because we're not being the church. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple of the Lord. 
Jesus promises us like he did Nathaniel. You'll see more than that. You come follow me. You'll see more than that. Together, as the house of God, we grow. We learn to walk with Jesus. We find encouragement. We find help. We find peace. Fellowship that we so desperately need in a society that's gone social media crazy. This is a rabbit trail, but I went to the Horn Lake High School to preach this week, thanks to Nicholas. And I walked by the cafeteria, and I remember in high school when, when I was in the cafeteria and the room was filled, it was so loud that you couldn't even, you almost had to put your fingers in your ears. It was so loud. Everybody talking and, and cutting up and throwing food at each other, just, you know, kids. And I walked by that cafeteria, and every kid in there was on their phone, and it was quiet as a mouse's hideout. I thought, man, how things have changed. They don't know how to interact with one another. We must return to fellowship. It's important that we worship God together. And it's in the church. It's in that puzzle that God's putting together of your life that you find your true purpose and your true identity. And that you learn to love other people. And it's in the church that we raise our children to know God. Come on, parents. It's time to get your children back in the church. We're losing our generations. You need this. So today as we celebrate Homecoming Sunday, despite all the failures of the church, the fallibility of the humans within it is still what Jesus is doing on the earth. If your faith has gotten off track, you're in the right place today. This is the on ramp back to your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the hub of the Great Commission, and it is the hub of the Great Commandment. Some 30 years after I put that puzzle together, I was over at my dad's house. Now i got children of my own. I was watching football on a Sunday afternoon, and my daughter comes walking in the living room with tears in her eyes. Daddy, I put together this whole puzzle, (laughs) and I can't find one piece. Uh-oh. And here come granddaddy, my dad, <laughs> sitting in the doorway. What happened? You looking for this? <laughs> <laughs> you need this? Well, I'm here to tell you today. You need this. to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.